Hello, welcome to a special Halloween episode of Beyond the Grave. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm not doing my normal uh, intro for this episode. This is a special bonus episode. Um, today we are... Bonus episode. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. <laughs> Of Beyond the Grave. That was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my co-host, Mike Pickett. Um, welcome, Mike. Thank you. Happy so, to be back. Yay! Mike was um, co-host for episodes three and four. That would have been the Hillcrest Mind Disaster Cemetery and their dearly departed. So today's a very special bonus Halloween episode. Um, we're going to tell you the stories of some haunted cemeteries and as a special treat, we've got some listener email we're going to read. Yay! Yay! Okay, so I will start us off. Um, we are going to Greyfriars Kirkland in Edinburgh, Scotland. Nice. Yes. So the information um, that I got for this section here is from the book called Real Haunted Cemeteries and Graveyards by Zachary Knowles, which I got on Amazon, and a little bit from Wikipedia. Um, so Greyfriars currently houses 700 vaults and the graves of anywhere between 100 and 250,000 victims of the plague that were dumped in mass graves. If you want to learn more about mass graves, like I said, Mike and I talk about that in episode three. So go back and listen to episode three if you want to learn what a mass grave is. Uh, the pile of remains is so big that you could dig only a foot down and come across bones. So we'll mm. keep that in mind for later. Something happens. Mm. So back in the day, we're talking 16th century, my favorite century, um, is a group of Franciscan, or sorry, back in the day, a group of Franciscan monks had a lovely herb garden on a piece of land they owned. The town council decided that burials could no longer take place in the church so they took over the land at Greyfriars, and yeah, they took it from the monks. And um, started burying people. Yeah. Just that it's ours now. Yeah. No, no more herbs. No. Hmm. Gone was the herb garden. Did you notice I said herb and herb? I intermix those all the time. My grandfather's name was Herb. Really? Yeah. Nobody ever called him Herb. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think most people would say herb for like uh, yeah. cooking. Yeah, I think so. But I would call him herb. Um, so gone was the herb garden, but in its place would prove to be a site so haunted it just may be the most haunted cemetery in the world. <laughs> so let's talk about the Covenanters for a little bit here. Who were the Covenanters? Do you know anything about them? I have never heard of that before. Do you know anything about... Do you remember all the tutors I made you watch? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, do you remember the Reformation? Mm, no. Okay. So, a little refresher. The Reformation... So, there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of information on this. It was crazy. So, I, I summed it up in one tiny little paragraph here, but I'm going to sum up the Reformation real quick for you. So, basically, it was the Catholics and the Protestants that were fighting... Catholics wanted their traditional religious um, whatevers 
upheld and the protestants were like no we don't like that anymore we want change and there was lots of back and forth like church of england was created and then they decided no we want to be catholic and then some people stayed catholic even though they weren't supposed to and i don't know it's just this whole whole lot of back and forth lots of fighting but the covenanters so this is specific to scotland um there were a group of religious defenders who sought to reject the reforms on religion imposed by charles the first of england so this is what i was able to ascertain from the information on the covenanters it was super confusing and it wasn't written in a way that was easy for me to understand so it sounds like it it was kind of complicated so here's what i could gather from it to appease everyone uh they created something called the national covenant and that was signed february 28 1638 They actually signed it in the graveyard since the graveyard was a space for legal public assembly, which Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. It's tied back to what you can do in a cemetery. Here's some events in a cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) However, the Covenanters were not happy, uh, like they weren't everywhere else. And there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of rebellions. There were battles for years to come. Um, They were hardcore Catholics. They wanted to keep their traditions. Charles I was like, no, you got to follow this. But anyway, centuries. All right, so we're going to introduce a new character here, George Mackenzie. He was a lawyer and an essayist, and he was against the Covenanters. So he must have been Protestant. It actually says Presbyterian. I don't really know what that is, but it's a different, another like Presbyterian churches sect of uh, Christianity. In 1679, after the Battle of Bothwell Bridge, several hundred Covenanters were imprisoned by George Mackenzie on the grounds at Greyfriars Kirkland. So there was like a, he built a separate prison mm-hmm. just off, like outside the cemetery. After four months of torture and many executions, only 400 out of 1,200 prisoners made it out alive. This earned him the nickname of George Bloody Mackenzie. So, <laughs> Bloody. <laughs> it's spelled... Okay, l- listen to this. It's spelled like fluid with a Y and a B at the beginning. So it, it's like... B-L-U-I? It, well, I think it's supposed to be bloody, but Bloody, I think that's like... You're reading it in a Scottish accent. Scottish, yeah. So I'm not making fun of Scottish people. It's actually spelled that way. Anyway, he died in 1691. He was buried in Greyfriars Kirkland, not too far from his torture prison. Many believed his vault was the most, or was haunted almost immediately after he was entombed. They were so convinced that they wouldn't even go near it. This little tidbit of information encouraged a wanted fugitive to hide out in his tomb. Hmm. Guess who came looking for him? The ghost? No, nobody did because they wouldn't go near it. (laughs) (laughs) they were so scared they were like nope that's a smart criminal yeah all right we're gonna fast forward to 1999 on a dark and stormy night a homeless man wandered about desperately looking for shelter he came across the Mackenzie family vault decided that would be his home for the night he broke the lock and went inside it was cold musty and not particularly inviting not to worry though there were many beds to choose from Beds. And by beds, guess what I mean? Caskets. Yep. Mm -hmm. He decided he was going to sleep in one of those caskets. Guess whose casket he decided to sleep in? Bloody's. The 
Yep. <laughs> Bloody. Bloody. Uh, George Bloody McKenzie. Um, well. Was it empty? Uh, he didn't get as far as opening it. Oh. So what happened was the ghost, or this was what we think, the ghost of Bloody was like, fuck this shit. No one's going to disturb my resting place. So as he's trying to open the casket, the ground beneath him opened up and swallowed him into its pit of plague victims' bones. Oh. Yeah. So they built the tomb like right on top of a pile of bones. Yeah. And remember when I said that if you only dug for about a foot, you could encounter a bunch of bones. So that's what happened with this tomb. So he fucked with it, fell into the pile of bones. Terrified, he clamored and scrambled his way out of the pile. Um, the story doesn't say this in the book, but when I read it, I'm thinking he like shit his pants. Probably. I would. I would too. And then I don't think he told anybody that he shit his pants. I, I might. In that case. <laughs> I think if he told people he shit his pants, it would be in the story. That's true. Yes. So I think he didn't tell anyone that he shit his pants, and I'll explain why later. Because okay. I think the ghost gets like revenge, even more so. So since that night, hauntings in the cemetery took an evil turn. A woman was found unconscious near the tomb with markings around her neck that resembled hands wrapped around it. She was simply passing by and when she reached the Mackenzie vault, she fell faint and blacked out. When she awoke, she felt pain of the bruising around her neck, not knowing what happened. Similar events take place within tour groups. We're talking choking, strangling, fainting, blacking out, feeling ill, vomiting, heart palpitations, running away in absolute terror. People will come away with bruises, cuts, scratches, burns, rashes, gouges of skin missing, and last but not least, shitty pants. <laughs> now, okay. The... When are we going to the cemetery? <laughs> you want to go shit your pants? <laughs> So, okay, the book says that they soiled themselves, but we all know that means poop. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, poop or pee. I think I think pee would be, I would say wet. wet they wet themselves. Yeah. So if you say soiled, I think, I think that's poop. So, I think, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't want to go to the cemetery. So I, I think... The guy that, like, busted open the tomb and disturbed his grave. And I think he actually shit his pants and then didn't tell anyone. And then Bluey's like... a new torture for the ghost. You're all going to shit your pants. I'm going to play the brown note for you all. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> um, other supernatural events that happen at Greyfriars include cold spots, Sounds of crying voices from the location of the Covenanter's prison. Drained camera and phone batteries within minutes of being in certain locations. And orbs that appear in photographs. Others report they feel like they're being followed. And have even seen the shadows they believe to be the likely culprits. So, is this the spirit of George Bluity Mackenzie who does not rest in peace? Or is it some other evil entity causing terror at Greyfriars Kirkland? Disturb the eternal slumber of those resting within, if you dare, and maybe you'll find out. Or shit your pants. <laughs> or both. <laughs> or both. 
Yeah, so that was Greyfriars Kirkland in Scotland. I actually do want to go there. Really? No, I don't. Well, okay. We're wearing Depends if we go there. I would be proud to admit, hey, I got... (laughs) (laughs) I went to Scotland and shit my pants in the cemetery. I went here and shit my pants. Because, well, this is a cool, really, really cool cemetery. It's got, um, back in the days of the Resurrectionists, when they grave robbed for bodies for doctor... Yeah. Anatomy classes Surgery and whatnot. practice and stuff. Um, there's, I think, I don't know if they're still there, but what they had what they called mort safes. So they were cages that they put over top of the graves so that people couldn't dig in there and get bodies out. So I think wow. they might still have some of those. There's, if you look up this uh, cemetery on Wikipedia, there's a gigantic list of notable burials there. Most cemeteries that I look at or that we've been to, it's like a list about yay big, like mm-hmm. about seven inches tall 10 names 10 names or so and this one's massive Hmm. lots of really interesting history here so i would like to go there so the next haunted cemetery mike will read was sourced from a book called ghost stories of hollywood by barbara smith and i got a little bit of information as well from atlasobscura.com cool all right, so I'm going to talk about the Westwood Memorial Park Cemetery in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Uh, does Marilyn Monroe still pose for photos with adoring fans as a ghostly apparition? Ooh. Perhaps. Her burial site is one of the ten most visited in the world. It's located in an above-ground crypt called the Corridor of Memories with a simple bronze marker. Her gravesite was meant to be private and not to draw a lot of attention. The cemetery itself was selected by Joe DiMaggio because it was out of the way and he didn't want a big production made of her funeral. Now, wasn't she involved with one of the presidents, too? Was it Kennedy? JFK, yeah. JFK? Okay. Um, So, until her interment, not a lot of celebrities were buried there, but many soon followed. Some have even paid big bucks to be buried next to her or near her. Hugh Hefner. Really? Yes. Half got buried next to her? Yes, he... Yeah, he paid a lot of fucking money. Well, I mean... I didn't look into it. She was... I think she was the first playmate. She was. Yeah. Yeah, And that's why he did it. He wanted to rest next to her, like, forever. So, I didn't look into it any more than this, but I kind of glanced over a couple things that were saying that he either... uh, There was rumors or truth to this. I don't know. I think he's buried next to her, but there was some saying that he was buried in the... um, Space above her, face down. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't think that one's true. I hope not. I hope, well, he's a dirty old fucking creep, probably. Yeah. I wouldn't... Um, her popularity never waned in death. Thousands of tourists flocked to her site to pay their respects, some by touching the wall or some by even leaving a kiss print. Her site is visited so much that it's now discolored by the frequent touching and kissing, compared to other sites in the Corridor of Memories. Many of these tourists even take their picture next to her marker, and some photos have shown a misty apparition believed to be that of Marilyn Monroe. I wonder if it has, like, blonde, flowy hair and the dress It's that... described as vol- a voluptuous blonde. Huh. Yeah. So, could it be her? Who knows? Okay. Um, so now we're going to talk about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood, California. And we're going to start with Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, a huge star of the silent film era. Huge. He was 300 pounds. Huge star? He was, 300 pounds? Yeah. He was a huge star. 
Uh, a huge star of the silent film era is at the center of this next story. In his heyday, he was making up to $10,000 per film, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it equates to roughly $250 million today. Per film. So who would Holy that be? Holy like, fucking shit. $250 million per film? Who's making that kind of money now? I don't know if anybody is. No? What about McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey? I don't know. He's a big name in Hollywood. Yeah, he probably gets like $2 million per film. Okay. I don't, I'm totally guessing. Yeah, I don't know. But like, I think big A-lister stars get like, like anywhere Cruise. from yeah eight to fifteen million per film. I mm. think. Um, I don't know. I would put Matthew McConaughey maybe like. He's not B. Don't say he's B-list. You don't think he's a B-lister? No, he's an A-lister. Matthew McConaughey? McConaughey gets to pick and choose whatever he wants to do. If he wants, to, he's like top. That's bullshit, Carrie. No, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's an A-lister. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Fatty worked with the likes of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, and his success in Hollywood is not what he is famous for today. Most will associate him with a scandal that rocked Hollywood, annihilated his career, and is possibly the reason many people hear the disembodied cries of a tormented woman come from one of the graves at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Labor Day weekend, 1921, San Francisco. Fatty signs a contract with Paramount worth over $1 million. That's back then? Right, so if 10000 is $250 million, yeah. $1 million is like a kajillion. Okay, so to celebrate, Fatty's friend Fred Fishback rented out. <laughs> say that. Say that again. Fred Fishback. Faster, faster. Fred Fishback. Fatty's friend Fred Fishback. Fatty's friend Fred Fishback. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, rented out three adjoining suites at the St. Francis Hotel. A couple of CD characters, Virginia Rappe and Maud Delmont, showed up. Is she like? Oh, I'd be Delmonte. Sorry. Uh, so these two showed up uninvited and crashed the party. Since we were in the era of prohibition, Fatty was concerned about the women's presence at the party because they had a sizable amount of bathtub gin and the women had many run-ins with the police. There was a good chance the party would be raided by the cops with these women there and bathtub gin would prove to be the least of his worries. Yeah, things go to shit here. At 3 p.m., Fatty went back to his suite and found Virginia on the floor in a pool of her own vomit. He put her on her put her on his bed. She awoke and asked for a glass of water. He got it for her and left at 310 to get her some additional help. He had a couple of his friends return to a screaming Virginia. She had severe abdominal pain and a fever. They brought her ice and applied it to her abdomen and called for hotel management to get her to a hospital. She died four days later from peritonitis caused by ruptured fallopian tubes and a res- as a result of an advanced case of syphilis. Was it rampant back then? Like was It's rampant now. Is it? In it's Al- back again? In Alberta, we have like syphilis and super gonorrhea are like the Jeez. Yeah. Don't well, we don't have TV anymore, but when we did like on the news in the last few years, it yeah, it's I had no clue. Yep. Well, it's cuz we got Tinder now and stuff, so oh. Yes. There's lots of hookups, so lots of I STIs. Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah, syphilis, syphilis is still around, but there's there's a cure for it now. Yeah. I think there might have been back then too. Like I don't know, did they use mercury? But I don't know if that actually cured it. Did it? I don't think so. No. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Um, so Maude had a different version of events. She wasn't in the room. She had 10 shots of bathtub gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Maude was, Maud was shit-faced. That's probably like 20 ounces, because it's probably like a regular size. Like, they used to have the big shot glasses. Not so. to mention, like, they made their own fucking gin, so yeah. it's probably like 900% alcohol. <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> So um, she wasn't there. She had 10 shots of bathtub gin. Yep. Well known to police, racking up four dozen counts of fraud and extortion, but she knew exactly what happened. She is such a reliable witness. I would listen to her. <laughs> totally. According to the police report she filed, Fatty had brutally raped Virginia, causing the rupture that led to her death. Here are the facts. Both were fully clothed. There was no evidence of sexual assault and an advanced infection wreaking havoc on her productive organs. Oh, on her reproductive organs. Did I say productive organs? Yeah. yeah they weren't very they weren't productive, very productive at this point. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like correcting. Fatty's reputation was ruined with rumors of his involvement, and he was charged and went to trial three times, despite evidence pointing to his innocence. The first two trials resulted in a hung jury, and the third trial he was acquitted. The jury deliberated for less than a minute... I don't think you ever hear that. No, I think that's probably record time for a yeah. jury deliberation, I would assume. The damage had been done at this point, though, and his career never reached the level it was before. Did he still get to keep the million dollars? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know, but he like he had to change his name for a while and work under a different name. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this would be a pretty big scandal back then. I mean, nowadays oh, huge. it'd be huge. It'd be all over Twitter for well, a week and then it'd be over. Um. Oh, what the fuck's his name? I don't know. I can't remember the the journalist's name, but he he wrote some big article about it, and he said it was his best selling story, and it made him so much money. And he was bragging about it, and um, what else? The journalist that wrote this story. Yeah, the uh, the one that reported on it. Yeah, was kind of a dick. And then uh, there were also rumors floating around that he used a champagne bottle to rape her and stuff, and it was just like just it just got blown totally out of proportion. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, my question, is the woeful sobbing coming from the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, that of Virginia Rappe? And if Fatty Arbuckle was not responsible for her death, was it possibly someone else? Who knows? Maybe it was one of the other guys. Wasn't there somebody else there? Yeah, Fatty's friend, Fred they had Well, they had three adjoining suites. So, I mean, you get a million-dollar contract in 1921. That's a shit ton of money. You're going to have a fucking party. I was going to say it. There's so, no way it was just four of them in three and it, suites. Three suites. So we're not even talking like regular sized yeah. hotel rooms. These are big, giant suites. It'd be like three, three times houses. the size of our house. Yeah. 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 So huh. there was a lot of people there. I don't, there's, this is just like a short story in the book. Um, okay. I'm sure there's a butt ton more information out there on it, but. Okay. Okay. So next, this is. This is the moment I've been waiting for for a long time. Yay. I'm super. Yay! I'm so excited. Um, I put a call out for emails like crazy on Instagram. So thank you, thank you, thank you, um, for sending me emails, both of you. Both of you. All two of <laughs> all, you. All two of you. Thank you. Me emails. 
I'm bribing with stickers if anyone wants to send me emails. Um, this is actually something I really would like to continue doing. Um, if you are interested in hearing me read your stories, please email them to me. I would, I'd be more than happy uh, to share your stories of whatever happened to you in a cemetery or any your thoughts on a cemetery, a grave you visited, um, you have a dearly departed, you want to share um, interesting tidbits, anything you want, tell me and I'll read it. I'll do, if we get, if I get enough emails, I'll do a weekly um, episode to, dedicated specifically to email. And I will send stickers out to everyone who sends me an email until my wrist gets tired of writing out postcards and envelopes. Typing. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, until I run out of stickers. Cut this out. Okay. All right, so the first email I'm going to read here, this one comes from Mike. So, um... Here is Mike's story. It starts out, Hey there. I thought I would share with you the story about how my husband and I ended up getting married in a local cemetery. I what? know, right? Yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is so cool. We should have had our wedding in a cemetery. I don't know that my family would have went for that. Neither would mine, but... Yeah. Um, it would have been cool. Yeah. But... I think we would have had a lot. It would have been the perfect up. setting. We had a gothic wedding. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, that segues it very nicely to the next sentence. One would assume that we are this goth couple <laughs> looking for some morbid kicks, but we got engaged in freaking Disney World. That's cool. Um, we are not a goth couple either, but um, our wedding was very gothic. Yeah. Your dress, not so much me. Well, no. I guess, yeah, because I had the skulls on my tie. Yeah, and... we had skulls and yeah. black decor, Victorian Gothic everywhere. It was pretty cool. Was okay, awesome. so they got engaged in Disney World. I was, a hist- I was a history for almost 20 years and have always been fascinated by cemeteries because I think they offer a very unique way to study our... In 12 years that Steve and I have been together, he has endured numerous side trips to graveyards while on vacation. Sounds like us. <laughs> Everywhere we go. Mike Mike can relate. Yes. Um, I drag him to cemeteries everywhere. Um, with time coming close to our wedding date, we figured we better stop procrastinating and at least decide on a location. We both love Savannah and thought a destination wedding would be perfect. We could do a wedding pop-up in a square and then we'd be married. Um, a wedding pop-up in a square and then we'd be married. So like, like a town square kind of thing? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So Savannah, Georgia? Um, anyway, problem was we were determined to get married on the 10 year anniversary of our first date and Savannah had a marathon that weekend, weekend, meaning all hotels had been booked up. Oh man. Fucking marathoners. Yep. I told him to keep an open mind and drove him to Oaklawn Cemetery here in Tampa. I'd taken the students there before. Oh, okay. So he was a professor. Teacher. Yeah. Taken students there before and knew it would be a perfect location because once you step in it, it looks and feels like a Savannah Square. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Okay. Um, So beautiful setting, sounds like. What really made it special was a gravesite that I had been drawn to for years. It is the gravesite of William and Nancy Ashley, an interracial couple who moved to Tampa prior to the Civil War so they could be more open about their relationship. Uh, never allowed to legally marry, Nancy pops up in some census records as simply, quote-unquote, cook. So what is it about Tampa that made it easier that they could... Do you know anything about Tampa? 
Like Tampa, Florida? Yeah. No, I don't. No. I wonder about that. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, William died in the early 1870s with Nancy following about a year later. Legally, she could not be buried in a plot next to him since it was a segregated burial ground. Fuck. Um, but the executor got around it by opening the grave and placing Nancy in with William. Huh. That is awesome. That's so romantic. Yeah. You look confused. No, I just... I can't believe cool. they would get away with that back then. Oh, well, they probably did it in secret. Yeah. So it had to be like late night. Okay, that's the executor I want. Yeah. Someone who gets shit done. <laughs> and We're not and to does, anybody gives no fucks about the rules <laughs> and just does it. That's amazing. Okay, so it's like, well, you can't. We can't be buried side by side. But guess what? You can be buried on top of one another. That's amazing. The executor of the state. <clears throat> pardon me. The executor of the estate was also given instructions to erect a gravestone with the following written as their epitaph. And here is what it reads. Here lies W.M. and Nancy Ashley, master and servant, faithful to each other in the relation in life. In death, they are not separated. Stranger, consider and be wiser. In the grave, all human distinction of race or caste mingle together in one common dust. That That's is awesome. Yeah. Another way of saying, fuck you. Yep. Look what we're doing. We had to fight to live together in life, but... Here we are in, death. We are in death. We're all yeah. equal. That's amazing. Huh. Uh, since 1873, every visitor to their grave has been told the simple lesson that all of these rules and restraints we place on each other through society mean nothing and that we all return to earth together. Steve and I really identified with our story because up until a few years ago, we could not have been legally married. I'm really sorry about that. Um, during the ceremony, my brother, who was the officiant, told the story, and at the end, all of our guests placed a rose on their grave before leaving the reception. That's oh, I'm awesome. Cry. That's so cool. Ooh. Okay, I hope this story interests you for the podcast. Yes, definitely. This was an amazing story. 100%. I've included a few pics of the gravestone and of the ceremony. All the best, Mike. And Mike, you can follow him at History Six Feet Under. That's History, the number six feet under. Uh, check out that Instagram feed. It is freaking amazing. Mm. Um, I see it pop up in my Instagram all the time, but I have failed to like posts. So. <laughs> Um, Mike, get on that. Mike, I'm sorry. I'm prepared to uh, get a shit ton of notifications <laughs> that I've liked your posts because you really have a fascinating feed. Um, everybody who's listening should go and follow it and check it out. Um, Oakland Cemetery is featured in there. There's other cemeteries featured in there and um, some other really cool stuff. Um, go check it out. Mike, thank I'm you so much. Yeah, you should. It's yeah. really great. Um, Mike, again, thank you for sending me this email. I uh, mailed your stickers out yesterday, uh, so hopefully you get them soon. Cool. That was a good story. That was an awesome story. Yeah. That was so amazing. Oh, I really like that. I don't even know what else to say about that, I... but like, it's it's just it it was so beautiful. Like everything just kind of tied together and. It was like the Savannah Square. Yeah. Where like they were they wanted to be, but so much meaning behind it, which is super cool. So good for you guys. That's amazing. 
Wow. I keep saying amazing. I need to pick a different word. No, you don't. Why? I don't know. You say amazing over I say awesome all the time. Okay. Could do. It's okay. All right. So next we have an email from Garrett. Jamie. No, Garrett. Sorry. Or from Garrett. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jamie. That's you. That's me. Yes. Um, so this email is from Garrett. Garrett, thanks for sending it in. It's titled A Grave Matter. Uh, hey, Jamie. As promised, here's one of my many graveyard stories with a little spookiness to hopefully fit in for Halloween. Ooh. 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 <laughs> uh, Garrett says, last year I traveled over 6,000 kilometers just to see a single quiet grave. I'm assuming Garrett is from Canada? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I worked um, with Garrett. Hmm? I worked with Garrett. Jeez. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my great-great-grandfather had served and died with the Scottish Regiment, the Argyle, and Sutherland Highlanders in the First World War, and as a last year was the centennial, or end as last year was the centennial since both his death on September 10th and the end of World War One. I, I was extremely keen to go. Oh, end of the war, sorry. Uh, and the end of the war, I was extremely keen, just so you can... Yeah. So I even took a piece of the Canadian Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders building, the sister regiment to his own, as a symbolic connection to his descendants in Canada have to him. France is a land of graveyards, sadly, and I've been to a lot of her famous ones from both world wars. I've heard that, like, just... Now, is, is, where's Flanders Field? Don't ask me geography questions. I, okay, I thought maybe you'd know. Um... It's a giant mass grave, right? Mm. Now, is it a grave though, or is it just? I don't. I don't know. Crosses. I didn't pay attention in school. Yeah, neither. That's why I'm asking you because I didn't either. Uh, we'll have to look it up. I'm gonna say it's in France. Okay. I'm guessing. Um, almost a decade ago, I visited one where another of my ancestors is buried, Ben Surmer in Normandy, and several maintained by the famous Commonwealth War Graves Commission, the CWGC. This was, this was the type my Scottish great-granda was buried in, but to get to it was a very long journey. First was getting to the tiny town he was buried in, Etienne. Along the beautiful roads of France, it was nestled among gorgeous fall colors, cloudy skies, and ancient houses that were old even to the soldiers who saw them a hundred years ago. Then, on the outskirts of the town, came Etienne's local cemetery, filled with magnificent tombs and headstones of all sorts dating from earlier than my great-granddad's... It's his great-great-granddad's. Oh, earlier than my great-great-granddad's. Finally, in the back of this chilling locale was the tiny CWGC cemetery, maintained very proper and respectfully, with a few headstones under maintenance and roped-off area for the main memorial being repaired from the wear and tear. That's cool that they're killed, still keeping... Yeah. Like taking care of it. Yeah, they keep really good records too. You can look them up online. Really? Yep. Huh. Uh, and there he was, along a row of ten or so, in a graveyard within a graveyard of maybe 30 lost souls. It was a breathless moment, as no one from my close family had visited the grave since Charlie was tragically killed by a shell blast, alongside four others caught in the same random act of violence that took their lives two months before the end of the terrible conflict. The grief of his loss, especially as his regiment suffered so little casualties during that period so near the end, hits me hard, and yet that's not the story I mean to tell now. 
Having paid my respects long overdue from my family to my ancestor, I spent more time going to a famous going to famous cemeteries from Saint Symphorin in Mons, Belgium, built by the Germans and kept in its original condition by the CWGC, leaving it the most beautiful one I have ever seen, where the first and last Commonwealth soldiers killed in the First World War are buried more feet or mere feet from each other to Verdun, which holds the remains from the longest battle in human history. I never intended to come to this last one, but my trip to my ancestor's grave drew me to this special site. Verdun holds many unique cemeteries. There's the famous Dumont Ossuary, where one can see over 100,000 skeletons of opposing German and French units resting at peace alongside each other. The same named fort with several closed off rooms where soldiers were killed by explosions and left where they fell. The trench of, bay of the bayonets where a small group of soldiers ready to defend their homeland were completely crushed under an earth moving blast, leaving only the tips of their bayonets poking out of the trench, or, sorry, leaving only the tips of their bayonets poking out of the filled in trench preserved until today. Freaking cool, eh? That would be... So Verdun sounds like a place I'd like to go. Yeah. Yeah. We can go check that out too. And Garrett can relate to myself and Mike from the other story. He drags his girlfriend to cemeteries all <laughs> over the place. So yeah, when I found that tidbit out, I was super excited. Uh, and even the village of Fleury, which itself became a grave-like monument with markers representing buildings... And the people who were forced to flee their home as it was literally wiped from the earth, leaving nothing but bomb craters, the markers, and a new forest left in perpetual memorial to destruction so grand it could wipe out a place the size of Etienne and did Mal Um So this story, though, uh, which, like my journey, took a long time to get through, ends outside of Dumont Ossuary at the graves of over 16,000 Frenchmen buried nearby the building full of skeletons. I want to go to the building full of skeletons. Yeah, that would... Well, it's like the, um, the catacombs. The catacombs, yeah. yeah. Um, as I arrived, one of those fogs common to the Verdun area rolled in, and, I soon, and soon I could see not but trees and graves. And here's the chilling factor. 100 years ago, the first soldiers marching to their uncountable deaths in this vast struggle to metafog as unsettling as this. So he's basically reliving. Yeah. It's like it's recreated for him as he's there. Yeah. In that cemetery. That is fucked, Garrett. But it's it's probably like, I mean, this is probably the experience that a lot of people would have going there too, right? Like, Because if there's fog in the area, it probably happens. A lot. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Maybe. Ugh. It's it's it would it would be even creepier if it was just Garrett who experienced it. That's true. This. <laughs> yes. Um. They too saw. Oh, I already said that, didn't I? No. No. Okay. Uh, they too saw not but trees and became enveloped by the frightening silence. If I turned away from their final resting places, it was as if I had been sent back in time, seeing exactly what they saw that day, waiting for that terrible assault to begin. Yeah, because you, you wouldn't be able to see anything coming. No. Right? Like just big fog and you know that and it probably your enemy feels is there. Heavy and oh. Oh. Ugh. like now it probably feels Yeah. Like you can probably feel the weight of it there. Oh. 
I too was serving as a soldier when I visited the country, the same age as the last Canadian killed in that conflict. And though our nation never fought in the area, I shared with those historical ghosts the feeling that they must have felt at Vimy, Mons, Passchendaele, and all the famous graveyards in our own history came immediately to me in that dense, impenetrable fog. The only difference was that I could breathe at ease, living and traveling in these countries, now the most peaceful in the world, and turned to see the graves of those who fought for that peace. In the fog, they stretched on forever, though 16,000 is a tiny percentage of the total number of graves that were laid, so to see them slowly becoming obscured in the distance, I found myself surrounded by endless death that was brought that, sorry, I'm going to do that one again. I found myself surrounded by endless death that that war brought, and I was, for a moment, lost among rows of crosses going on forever, my only company, the ghosts who haunt not just that battlefield, but our current lives of long peace won by them a century ago. 16,000. Oh, that's like a drop in the bucket. Right? I know, but like, I can't even imagine being I in a know. cemetery where there's 16,000. That's a lot. I can't imagine. So while Halloween and the spirit of death approach chillingly around the corner, and a celebration is indeed appropriate to mark the passing of so many great people distant and near, the time for reflection in November is on its heels, and I hope that those who happily trick-or-treat or visit the fascinating places that deathly tales await, such as graveyards, take a moment afterward for another kind of haunting reflection, as I did the day in the fog, with little but the never-ending crosses to keep myself company. It is the reason why such places are built, that we may come and find a connection to our past that has been lost to history except for a few ancient name-carved stones. This is, this is why I like going to the cemeteries with you because it, it that sense of history right mm -hmm. it, I mean I get it that it's it's dead bodies and ooh scary but yeah it's not a novelty it's, it's a place of reflection and um, yeah. reverence and just yeah um, the specters sorry the specters of the beyond and the myster mystery of that fog hold more truth than they obscure Thank you so much, Jamie, for letting me share my story. You're welcome. Thank you, Garrett. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Garrett. Um, it was hard to choose from the many graveyard tales I've had. If you have more, send them in. Please, Email Garrett. More. I'll uh, send you a sticker. I've had, and I ended up <laughs> combining a few. Take care, and good luck with everything. Thank you, Garrett. So, Garrett, I didn't get your mailing address for a sticker, so if you're listening, please email it to me. Um, or I will reach out to you. Um, so thank you again. So, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to read a thesaurus and Mike's got some drawing to do. So, <laughs> um, you can't end your podcast the way I had mine. You can't do that. What? Huh? That's how I end my podcast. Okay, I got some work to do now, so get out there and create something. Oh, so you can't, you yeah, can't okay. Mike Mike wants to plug his podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't plugging. <laughs> that was not a plug. I, you, you know what, though? I want you to, because I keep forgetting to ask people if there's something they want to plug okay. for a co-host. So as my co-host, what would you like to plug, Mike? I will plug my podcast. Uh, if you're into... Vector design, graphic design, the related kind of stuff. Um, I am a nearly two-decade graphic designer that 
took a break, and now getting back into it so you can search. We don't say your podcast. Why? You're just reciting your script for your podcast. Well, but that's just a little snippet of it. <laughs> Entice them into it. <laughs> Am I not supposed to do that? Is that not what a plug no, is? No, you just, you, well, you gotta say the name. Oh, I'm going to. Okay. I was getting to that. Okay. Search the Vector Path podcast <laughs> everywhere that podcasts are found. And also, he has a YouTube. Yes. Channel. I do. Tell him what you're That YouTube. I need to get back to soon. Oh, okay. I well, haven't uploaded in like a month. There's so. still content there. There is still content there, yeah. So you can search Mike Pickett Design Co. Uh, on YouTube as well. Awesome. Thank you, Mike, for co-hosting. Thanks for having me back. Thank you, other Mike, for emailing. Thank you, Garrett, for emailing. This is my favorite episode so far. That was fun. Yes. Yeah. So, ha- happy Halloween! <laughs> what? <laughs> That's awesome. I'll, I'll see if I can find some spooky music to go as a background for this. So, um... I forgot what I normally say at the end of my other episodes. So thank you for listening to Beyond the Grave. Thanks for tuning in to a special bonus Halloween episode. If you have suggestions for a future topic or if you have your own story you want to share, you can email that to me at beyondthegravepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, um, you can tell a friend about it. Um, You can... Uh, follow me on Instagram and Facebook if you want. I'm not really doing anything on Facebook or Twitter, really, but you can find me there. <laughs> Links for those will be in the show notes. So um, be safe out there. Happy Halloween. Eat lots of candy. And um, go to a cemetery.